I'm going to share with you guys two stories today. So I'm going to share one, one from the scripture here in Luke, um, and then one from my personal life and, and what God's done with me. Um, how many of you in here have ever felt not seen? A couple. <laughs> uh, well, I'll raise my hand in that because I definitely have at, at multiple points. Um, but uh, this, this passage here in Luke, um, it's, it's, it's talking about um, the birth of John the Baptist, who is, who is supposed to come to proclaim the Messiah's coming. Um, but the story here gets pretty specific in talking about John the Baptist's parents. So I'm going to dig into this story a little bit here. Uh, so starting in, in uh, Luke 1, verse 5, if you've got your, your Bibles there with you. Um, I'm just going to read through verse 25. I'll read the whole story, basically, and then I'll come back and kind of break down some of this. So uh, in the days of King Herod of Judah, there was a priest of a Baha'i... I don't know how to say that. I, a Baha'i... Baha'is? division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all of the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of the incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bury you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth." For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to, their Lord, to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the, to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he had stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he, did not, when he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, I just want to thank you so much that you're a God who sees us. That you're a God who knows us. You created us. You know the most intimate parts of who we are. You knit us together in our mother's womb. God, I want to thank you that you go ahead of us, that you know everything that we're going to walk into in this life before we ever see it. 
and you orchestrate our days to accomplish your will. God, I just want to thank you that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, that we're made on purpose for a purpose, that you love us, God, that we weren't an afterthought. We were plan A. Thank you for who you are. I pray that you speak through this message this morning, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that you get me out of the way, and you speak through your spirit to these people. We love you. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, point one, you're seen and heard by God. So, uh, so back in verse six, uh, he said, both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. Right? So he started out, he's saying, hey, there's this priest under this priesthood and his wife who was a daughter of Aaron. So Aaron was a high priest in Old Testament times. So his daughters were born into that line of priesthood. Um, in order to be a priest in, in Jewish culture, you had to be born into the line of priests. So, um, so both of these people were born into that, that lane there. Um, and it says here that both were righteous in God's sight. Living according, uh, living without blame, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. So that was pretty hard to do. <laughs> uh, pretty hard to la- to to live up to all the requirements and and commands of God and requirements for priests. Those are pretty high standards and pretty hard to meet. But it says here that they were that they were without blame in God's eyes. God saw them, and he he saw he saw their faithfulness. To, to their calling and what God created them to be. And then if you skip down to verse 13, in verse 13 it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. His prayer has been heard implies that Zechariah and his wife have been praying over having children. For quite some time, because later on we see Zechariah saying, I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years, right? So they've been praying for children. He's been faithfully serving, doing what God placed in front of him, and all along the way he's been praying and going, God, give us, give us a child. And his wife has been praying for that. When you get to the very end of that, she says, the Lord has done this thing for me. He's looked with favor in these days and taken away my disgrace among the people. Right? Back then, for, for a woman to not have born children was looked, at, looked on in disgrace. It was like, ooh, what'd she do wrong? Why does she not have any kids? Uh, but God sees them, and he heard their prayers, and he answered them. And then... It, uh, and then in verse uh, verse 17, it says, And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and disobedient to the understanding of the righteous. And then I underline this next phrase, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. God goes ahead of us. He goes before us and he ordains everything that we experience in this life to set us up to accomplish his will because what he speaks goes out and never returns void. So if we're walking in what God has for us and we're following him in the spirit and we're listening and we're doing what God's placing in front of us, God's orchestrating our lives to accomplish his will. 
And we see that here with Elizabeth and Zechariah. They've been praying, they've been praying for children. God knew their heart. God knew the, the innermost parts of who they are. Be, why? Because he knit them together in their mother's womb. Before the foundations of the world, he knew them. And he placed inside of them that desire for a child. And he knew that along the way, Zechariah and his wife would feel inadequate and, and would feel incomplete without that child. But he came and he answered their prayers, and he, he didn't just answer their prayers, he answered their prayers in a pretty big way. Their son was John the Baptist. Jesus said some pretty nice things about John the Baptist. Uh, but God goes before us, and if, and if we're listening and we're, and we're aware of what God's, God's speaking to us in the Spirit, and we know who we are and, and what we were created to be, and we try to walk in that, God goes out ahead of us and he, and he ordains things ahead. And in this, so it said to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. He was getting ready to bring the Messiah. He was getting ready to give his own son into this world. And he was preparing, a, he was preparing his people to be able to receive him. John the Baptist was the means of doing that. Right, so he went out ahead and create. He knew. So in that it says, uh, it says, uh, in the spirit and power of Elijah. And then if you go, and I don't know if I don't think it was in the same passage. I don't think it was in Luke, but in one of the Gospels, Jesus is is basically saying about John the Baptist. It, they're asking him. Um, you know, are you, are you Elijah? Are you these different people? And because uh, he's saying, who do you say that I am, right? These people say that you're Elijah or these people say that you're a prophet. Who do you say I am? And then uh, they say, Jesus, the son of the most high God. Um, but he's, he's basically saying, John, I tell you, Elijah has already come. He, he came in form of John the Baptist, right? So John the, ba in the spirit of John the Baptist, uh, I mean, in the spirit of Elijah, John the Baptist came, right? So he's preaching the, the coming king all throughout his life. Um, so God was going before us even in that. So he went before, uh, he went before Elizabeth and Zechariah and, and that he knew that that was going to be the desire of their heart to have this child. But then he also went ahead of the Israelites and that he knew that they were going to need the message of John the Baptist to prepare them for the coming Messiah. So from there, um, point three, I, I go, so I'm going to bounce off. I don't have the scripture in there, but if you can uh, find it real quick, Kylie, it's Ephesians 2.10. Uh, so in Ephesians 2.10, if you've got your Bible, turn there real quick. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. That, that implies that God knew these good works that we're supposed to walk into in our lives, these things that we're supposed to do as his people before he created us. He knew these things that we were supposed to walk into. So if, 
for us to walk into those things, God's got to orchestrate our lives to make it happen. Because most of us are going through life with our own intentions or, or with sometimes not even that. <laughs> sometimes just scrambling through life trying to figure it out. But God orchestrates things to put things in front of us for us to walk into the good deeds that he has for us. So I'm going to share my story. So back in preparing for this message, I wasn't preparing to do this. Uh, I had a completely different message laid out for me. Bobby had written down points for me to go through in the same passage and given me basically like a, a sermon prep. Um, so I was coming in to dig into that, and I went. I came into the office, um, and I, I sat down and I opened up. I, I used to use the the software OneNote with Microsoft to, to take notes on things. Uh, it's just really super easy to like drag and drop things into it, and it's just a, a pretty powerful tool. I haven't used that in like three years. Um, so I, I pulled it up. I was like, man, I need this because I'm going to be pulling a bunch of different information in from different areas. So I pull up the software, I open it up and it says, you need to sign in. And, um, you know, so I'm, so I'm like, well, I'm not going to be here after December 31st. I'm going into something that God's calling me to. So I was going, well, I'm going to sign in with my personal account so that I've got record of, of what God's speaking to me in this, in my journal. Right. So I opened up my personal account, which I haven't been in, in a long time. Um, I sign in and it opens up to my journal from 2015. And this is the beginning of the journey that brought me to where I'm at right now. Right. So, so I open this up and I, and I go into the journal and my first journal entry is, uh, is from 2015, right before my company crashed. Uh, my wife and I were in a terrible spot. Um, I had, I had spent every ounce of myself in climbing a corporate ladder and, and trying to hit the marks in, in business and trying and pouring all of myself into that to the detriment of my family. Um, and then I had quit this company that I had climbed the ladder in, climbed to the top and I, I quit because I was like, well, I'm losing my family. Right. So then I started my own company, won a contract real quick, um, and then did the same thing on repeat with my company, right? So started pouring into that, and my wife was done. Um, she kind of pinned me down. I came home from work one day. She kind of pinned me down, and she, she started, like, just lighting into me about it. Um, she was done. Telling me she was going to take the kids and go to her mom's house, and um, which was three hours away. Um, and um, and it, it got really ugly really quick. Um, I ended up, long story short, I ended up taking her in to taking her out on the porch. I had this long conversation. I convinced her to stay and I spent the next, like, I spent like the next three months, um, breaking things off of myself and, and rewiring my brain to, to prioritize my family above work. Um, and then in, and seeking to do that well, I was praying and I'm going, God, why'd you, why have you allowed me to be put into this place? Why have you allowed all this stuff to happen? Um, and, and God, I, I remembered a message that was, that I had sat and listened to from a, a previous church from Revelation where, uh, he used a scripture from Revelation where it said, remember the heights from which you've fallen. Remember your first love. Go back and do the things you did before. 
So I was like, oh, well, you know, like, let me, let me do that. Let me start doing that. What were the things that I did before? And then I, and then I realized in trying to prioritize my family that the, the way that I had disrespected my wife and the, the, the selfishness about how I had gone about in my life wasn't just directed towards my wife. Uh, I'd done the same thing to the Holy Spirit. And I knew that um, if I didn't fix that relationship between me and God, then I could forget the other relationships. So I started pouring in. I was like, well, God, what, you know, remember the heights from which you fall and go back and do the things that you did before. What were the things that I did before? <laughs> you know, like, I was seeking your face. I was, in, I was in the Word all the time. I was praying, like, nonstop. If I wasn't reading the Bible, I was reading another Christian book of some sort. Like, I was immersed in seeking God's face. Uh, and God had, had started kind of chiming in and going, hey, you should go to school and start taking some schooling towards, uh, towards ministry stuff, towards, towards understanding what you believe better. And that's what started my journey of, with God. And then I kind of took a detour, and that's what my journal was about, was, was about my detour of going out and, and trying to accomplish the American dream and do my own thing. Um, and I had run from God for a period of like seven years. Um, so I'm praying that and I'm going, God, show me the things, show me what, what, what were those things? So I sign up for, I sign up for college classes for a bachelor's of divinity degree. And, uh, and I start taking some classes and I take this theology class and in my theology class, um, they, they were asking me what, what's the importance of theology basically was the question in one of my discussion boards. And I'm answering that and I'm going, well, you know, it's, it's not only knowing what you believe, but why you believe it is what comes out of theology. Thoughts about our God. Why do, you, why do you believe what you believe? And when I wrote that sentence, it was, it was like God just took that word why and just like blew it up for me. Like, that's it. No, understand the why. Understand why you believe what you believe. It's not just about mental ascent and knowledge that you're putting in your brain about God. Why do you believe it? And what is it for? So I started praying over that. Next morning, when I wrote the journal that I was reading, the journal entry that I was reading, um, or that night is when I wrote it, that next morning, I sit down and I, uh, I'm, I'm, I put, uh, put the kids to, no, put the kids down for a nap and I sit down to go into my theology class and I'm, I'm, I'm digging in on that. And then I look down at the clock and, oh, so back, backtrack a little bit. My company crashed right before this. Okay. So the company that I had been pouring all this stuff into in the midst of me about losing my wife, right after that, my company crashed and I had to put my wife back to work. And I'm the schmo that's sitting at the house taking care of the kids while my wife's out working. Right. Uh, so I'm pretty, pretty hurt pridefully. Um, so, uh, I look down at my watch and I realize my wife's coming home in about 30 minutes and I've been in here digging in on this theology class and the kids have been wrecking the house while, while I've been doing it. Right. So I come out of the room and I look around and I'm like, 
this is chaotic. There's stuff to clean up everywhere. So I just start scrambling, cleaning everything up. And I get into the kitchen and there's refrigerator magnets all over the floor from, from where the ABC's magnets had been stuck up on the refrigerator and my son had knocked them all down. So I, I go in there and I'm grabbing magnets and I'm throwing them back up on the refrigerator and I get them all up there except for the letter Y. And I'm just like, what in the world, right? So I sit back, and that, so the journal entry that I wrote, I was basically saying, you know, I've spent all this, like, my whole, my whole following Christ and, and my whole life as a believer has been spent just yearning to hear the audible voice of God. You know what I mean? Like, like, God, I just, I want to hear you so clearly. I want, I want to, I want to hear the audible voice of God. Like that was a thing. And, and what I wrote down in that journal was, you know, I've spent that, I've spent my whole Christian life wanting to hear the audible voice of God. And now that pales in comparison to the way that God speaks to the innermost parts of who I am. It's like, it's like he takes these little jewels and he lays them out for me down this trail ahead of me. And then he comes back and gets me, takes me by the hand and walks me down this trail and just enjoys watching me find these gifts that he's placed out ahead of me. And it just blows my mind. That God, God knows me deeper than anybody could ever know me. So when we read this story about Zechariah and his wife and their heart's desire to have this child and God going out ahead of them and going, you know what? I know you don't see it right now. I know you're sitting here right now and you're going, God, do you even see me? I've prayed the same prayer over and over and over and over again. Do you even hear me? It's like my prayers hit the ceiling and fall to the floor. And God's going, I know you don't see it, but I've got something far greater for you than you can even hope for yourself. And that's what he was saying to them in this. That's not even what, only what he was saying to them. I don't, I don't think that Rebecca understood the weight of what she said. She said, he has looked on me with, or the Lord has done this for me. Has done what for you, Rebecca? Giving you a child or giving you the Messiah? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were destined for hell. And your son's going to play a part in declaring the Messiah to come. What I've given you is not just a son. I know there's a lot of you in here who are probably going, man, you know what? There's, I've prayed this over my life. I've, I've, I've prayed specifically for my heart's desire. Does God even see me? He sees you. He sees you and he knows you. Let me tell you about my story. So, so I, so from that point, I'm, I'm praying this and I'm writing down in my journal. I, I was, I was, I started writing about fear and I was like, you know, fear has dominated my life. And I was like, so I remember two specific instances where, where fear kept me from doing the will of God in my life. 
And one of them was, I, I was sitting in the back of a church and I'm looking into this church and, and listening to this message and, and this church is just dead. There's no life in it. I'm sitting in the back and God gives me this, recalls Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones in my brain and then asks me to stand up and speak it over this body of believers. And I was like, hey, no, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going home. <laughs> And long story short, God rebuked me several times over the course of listening to this message saying, who gives a man his mouth? That was what he said to Moses, right? And then, and then from Jeremiah, um, don't let them tell you that you're young. You go and say and do what I tell you to go and say and do. And then in Timothy, when, when, when Paul's encouraging Timothy, don't let them tell you you're too young. And then went to Matthew, I think it's in Matthew, where it says, if you love your father or mother more than me, or your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. And I stood up and I walked out of the church. And in my journal, I was like, what would have happened? What would have happened if I wouldn't have let fear dominate me and I would have stood up and said, said what God had me to say? somebody's life could have been changed in that well long story short when my company crashed it caused us to have to move back to the town where God asked me to give that message to that church right so so we moved back to this town and my my wife's friend gets married and we go to a um, a reception for that they sit us at this table with this couple that I don't know I sit down at the table and I go hey I'm John McGee and he goes hey my name is Nathan Morton I'm the pastor to Elizabethtown Baptist Church which was the church that God gave me to give that message to. And I was like, you're kidding me, dude. I was like, I'm joining your church on Sunday and I'm joining your church with the intent to serve and I have a message to give to your church that's, that's not gonna be well received. So he's like, game on, let's do this. So I start meeting with him. I go into the church. I deliver this message, nothing, right? Like that's no change in blank stares. I, I got you, Kelly. Uh, so I see that and then... Um, and then about a month later, after me praying, God, you know, I, I, it, was this about obedience? What was this, right? About a month later, I ran into this guy, Jeff Ryder, and he's a missionary from Papua New Guinea. He spent 20 years in, in a tribal mission situation, learning a people group's language, learning their culture, translating the New Testament for them, planning a church in a tribal setting of indigenous tribal people, setting up an elders, eldership there, setting up an actual church there that's out planting churches in Papua New Guinea now. Um, he shares his story, fires me up towards missions. I've already been fired up towards missions. Fires me up towards missions. I sit down at a meet and greet with him and his wife, uh, make a serious connection with this guy. Over the course of the, la over the last, I guess that's probably been seven or eight years now, I've kept in touch with him. God brought me through this whole journey here to break some things off of me and prepare me for what he's calling me into. We're leaving here December, hopefully 1st of January and going to, to start a missionary training center in Pennsylvania uh, where we're going to teach people to reach unreached people groups, which is my heart song, right? <laughs> like, like everything that God placed inside of me, all the things that, that I've been praying for and going, God, do you even see me? Even over the last three years of serving here, God, do you even see me? God's going, just wait. There's something better. I got something greater for you. And now we're walking into this. God orchestrated the last 12 years of my life to line me up for a time such as this. 
to step out in faith into something and step out with boldness because I see his plan and I see all the little pieces that he put together for me. God sees you and he knows you. He knows your heart. Are you listening to him? Are you walking faithfully with him? That's the main point here, right? Are you walking faithfully with him? Zechariah and Rebecca were walking faithfully with their God. They knew who they were and what they were called to. They were walking faithfully with their God and they were praying consistently. And God heard them. I'm going to pray and we're going to close. God, I just want to thank you so much for who you are. God, I know that there are people in this room, God, who have been praying things to you who have felt unseen or unheard. I pray that you just encourage their hearts through this message, God. I pray that if they don't know you, if they've never heard from you, if they've never had a walk with you, God, that you would reveal yourself to them in a real and tangible way. God, that they would see that the gift that you have for them is far greater than what they've even even conceived in their hearts. God, thank you for who you are and thank you for what you're going to do. We love you. In your name I pray, amen.